Sahasra Sambhamurti's voice rings over the sound of dancing feet as they hit the floor. This is her Kathak class and her Bharatnatyam students are next. She's been teaching Indian classical dance since she was 15 years old. Today, she's 36. You'd think that by now, this work would be easy. But it's taken years to make room for herself in this city. I'm Anahita Sajdev and this is Onomatopoeia, a podcast about the people and places of New York City. In this episode, the dance guru of Kuriya Town. We're sitting on a grey panelled floor facing a group of six people who dance in sync. The scene evokes a flashback of my own days learning Kathak back in India. The students twirl with grace, making sure to maintain the correct posture and mudras or hand gestures. Sahasra holds their absolute attention and makes them repeat every move until they get it right. She tells me that she was eight when she fell in love with dance. It all started when her mom would take her to concerts, hoping she would take up music, which she did, but her real interest was in movement. And I became obsessed with dance. Every cultural program I would watch, I would beg my mom to put me in classes, and she didn't until like a year or two later. And finally, I started dance, and that was sort of the, the end-all, be-all. Today, Sahasra is the principal teacher and artistic director at Navatman, a studio that teaches Indian dance and music in the heart of K-Town. Two floors below it, there's an Asian supermarket and a whole row of Korean restaurants and karaoke bars. At times, the music from the street wafts into the studio. But that's hardly a problem. In the 12 years of running this business, Sahasra and her business partner have seen much worse. In the very beginning, they were pushed out of the first place they had rented. And that was because there was a man on the seventh floor who would come down to our floor on the fifth and hurl insults and curses. The other floors were part of a co-op, and one day Sahasra got a call from their lawyer. And they were like, are you even a citizen of this country? And do you understand the laws of this land? And I was like, excuse me? After she asked my name, she asked me those questions because she heard me say, my name is Sahasra Sambhumati. As a child, Sahasra had quickly learned that people around her couldn't say her name. So among friends and even students, she goes by her pet name, Sahi. She'd grown up in a predominantly white town in New Jersey, but she says that she hadn't faced any racism as such. Until that moment. Sometime later, this happened again, when the person she was subletting from ran into trouble with a landlord, someone she'd never met before. We are having lunch in the middle of summer camp. We're barefoot, we're seated on the ground. The landlord comes in and threatens our students. And she's just waving a drill around. She's like, I'm going to take all your fucking pictures and sue the hell out of you. Who says that to a seven-year-old? I think she thought we were squatting and living in the space or something like that. Like, I was all seven of those kids' moms or something. This was the conclusion we came to. We don't know for sure. It was a pattern that followed them from place to place. The landlords didn't talk the same way to, say, the owners of the yoga studio beside Sahi's. And no one seemed to have noise complaints against the tap dance place next door. Navatman had to move seven times. These were the situations that ultimately made me question, like, is this worth it? That was until they found this current studio five years ago. It took Sahi a while to realize why things had gone so smoothly for them here. It's because, like them, the other occupants of the building are also people of color. 
I've always been curious about how immigrant culture gets rooted. When does it stop being immigrant and become just culture? South Asian diaspora is new to the United States. You know, we're still figuring out how to be in first generation, second generation, third generation, right? What does like South Asian American um, culture look like as opposed to what does South Asian culture look like? That's Neha Savant. She joined Sahi's classes a few months ago. She says she's learned Kathak for years growing up, but in a more traditional way. Now, she looks for something a bit different. And I really wanted a space that could also think of like, well, what does this dance look like in the future? Um, and especially in the diaspora. I think New York City is a really amazing place to build solidarity across the South Asian diaspora. And from what I know of Sahi and Navatmam, I think that, that she's trying to do that. In the dances that Sahi teaches, stories and myths from Hinduism play an important role. And if you're doing things the traditional way, you're not supposed to question them. But Sahi does. Some man wrote these stories and told us them. Why can I not, as a woman, put in my own perspective and pass that on instead? Having a physical space for their studio then also means making a space of a different kind. A space where people can belong, where they can challenge the norms of classical dance, about who can do it, how and where. Sitting on that grey floor, I asked Sahi what life feels like, so immersed in one culture, Indian, while being surrounded by another, American. She says that for her, they weren't separate. I know no other way to put it, but to say, like, I am all of those things, and I have just always been this. Through her love for movement, she's found her roots. In two cultures, but one identity. This episode of Onomatopoeia was created by me, Anahita Sachdev. Onomatopoeia is a production of the Columbia Graduate School of Journalism. Joanne Farian is our executive producer and professor. Original theme music by Lee Feldman. Other music by Blue Dot Sessions. Special thanks to Columbia Digital Libraries.